0: Good morning. How are we this morning? Good? That's the right answer you have to give at that moment, you know? My name is Will. I'm the Student Ministries Director here at Rio, and this morning we begin a new series. And this new series will take us all the way up to Easter, and the series we are calling From Death to Life. And that's a season of time we are in as a church. And we entered into this season this past Wednesday night on Ash Wednesday, a service where we embraced our humanity. We embrace the truth, no matter how hard we try to run away from it, that one day all of our physical bodies will die. And when we lined up and we were imposed ashes upon our head, as the word spoken over us was, from dust you have come and to dust you shall return. That service should be more depressing, but it's not. Because there's a beautiful truth that we get to embrace because we also get to embrace the truth that we have a hope, the hope that we just sang about, right? A hope that is in Jesus Christ that we can hold on to, that we can cling to, that we can believe in. And thankfully, this hope doesn't rely on me, doesn't rely on my work or my effort, but it fully relies on the work that Jesus went through on the cross, The work that we are journeying towards in this season, that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, left heaven and came down to earth. He embraced our humanity. He took on physical skin. He took on blood vessels. He became like us, but he lived very differently than you and I live, that he did what you and I could not do, that he lived a perfect life in every instance, in every moment, in every thought, he lived perfectly. And yet the hope we have is that Jesus embraced death for you and I, that he willingly went to a cross for all of my wrongs, all of my mistakes, so that in the end I could be united with him. And we know that Jesus' journey does not end in a tomb, but it ends with the Son of God defeating sin and death by resurrecting on the third day that we will celebrate joyfully at the end of this season at Easter. And so this is the journey we're on for the coming weeks, a journey from death to life right alongside of Jesus. In order to do that, we're going to begin today with the call of Jesus in our lives. We're going to look into Luke 9, and we're going to see what is this Jesus inviting us into. Because what we'll see is Jesus comes to people like you and I and comes to us this morning He says, hey, come to me and follow after me. And then the Gospel of Luke spends the next 10 chapters showing and explaining what does that actually look like for you and I living life in this world. is on March 31st, so we do not have 10 weeks in order to do that. So we've chosen five complimentary passages that will walk us and give us a picture of what it looks like to be disciples of Jesus who are following after Jesus in this life. So we pick up in Luke 9, starting in verse 23, and it says this, And he being Jesus said to all, and the all is important there. Because whenever Jesus is moving around in his public ministry, he always usually has two groups of people with him. He always has his disciples, but he usually has a large crowd following him as well. And sometimes what we'll see later is he's just speaking to his disciples. But this call does not just for the disciples, not just for those 12, but it's for everyone who is listening. So again, and Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And I'll speak for myself here. I really love the first and the last part of that sentence. Right? I really love this fact that Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, this perfect one who was at creation, where everything was created for, to, and through, is inviting me to come and to follow him. What a gift that is, to be invited to follow after Jesus. But what I don't absolutely love, if I'm honest, that the path to following Jesus is a path of denial and sacrifice. And hear what Jesus is saying here when he's speaking about denial. He's saying, deny yourself. He's not just looking at all these outside behaviors that are sinful, that are wrong, saying, okay, you guys really need to start denying those, which is true. That's a part of it. But the problem is not that we just do all of these visible, broken, sinful things. But the problem is that in here, we are broken and sinful that we were born into sin because of the fall of man. You and I don't just need a behavioral plan to fix everything out here. We don't just need to get better and pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. The truth is we need to be transformed in here. And that transformation begins with denial. It begins by me looking at myself and saying, I'm not the one. I'm not the savior that I need, that I cannot do it by myself. That the Savior is not in here, but he is a person. His name is Jesus. He's the Savior I need. He is the hope I need. Now think about being in the crowd that day, and when you hear that Jesus says, hey, take up your cross and daily follow after me. Right? We're on this side of the cross. We understand the beautiful work of what Jesus has done on the cross for us to have victory in this life. That's why we put it on our walls. That's why we wear it around our necks, but they would be flabbergasted if they saw a cross on our neck in that day. It'd be like walking around with an electrocution chair on a chain, right? To them in that moment, the cross was the place where the worst of the worst criminals were publicly tortured and put to death for all of the evils that they had committed. So I imagine in that moment, that's a whole lot the process of what Jesus is calling us to, right? Because to pick up our cross, it's a life of sacrifice. And a life of sacrifice naturally flows out of a life that begins to deny myself. Because when I deny myself, it opens my life up to be one of sacrifice. That's not all about me, that the world does not revolve around me, that I can give it away in order to do it. So that's what it looks like to come after Jesus and to follow him. A disciple of Jesus denies himself and takes up his cross daily. That's the invitation that Jesus is inviting you and I into this morning. And so for the rest of the morning and for the weeks to follow, we're going to see that Luke teaches and explains to us what it looks like to do that. What is the life that is following Jesus, that is a disciple of Jesus, what does it actually look like in this life? And this morning we come today to the inescapable reality that hear this and it'll be on the screens. Following Jesus means learning to live in light of the great and final day to come. And We'll say that again. Following Jesus means learning to live in light of the great and final day to come. Come. Meaning, in light of that day, that Jesus Christ is going to return. Because here's the truth we don't know where or when, but Jesus promised us that He is coming back, and that's what we are holding on And on one hand, it will be a great and final day for those who are following after Jesus. It will be a day of great vindication when we can look at our lives and the way we lived our life, and we can be vindicated wholly by Jesus that all of our sacrifices will be worthwhile. All of the sufferings that we endured in the name of following after Jesus in this life will be vindicated in front of all of humanity. It will also be a day of great exaltation for those who in this life have chosen to deny themselves in order to exalt the name of Jesus. And that great and final day will also, for those following after Jesus, where we will receive our great and infinite and eternal reward. If you're following after Jesus, that is a great and final day. But there's the other side of that. For those who do not follow Jesus, for those who do not deny themselves and sacrifice their lives in this world, it's still going to be a great and final day, but the day is going to look a whole lot different. It will be a day of great terror. It will be a day of great judgment. It will be a day of great weeping and mourning. It will be a day that's filled with great dread. And you may be thinking, well, we don't use that kind of language these days. And I think that's a disservice to the church and to those that are not following Jesus. It's a disservice to those. If we truly believe that Jesus will return and that's what the day is going to look like, you have two options. Why not explain that? Why not push people to make a decision? And I can use that kind of language because the Bible uses that kind of language. I can use that kind of language because Jesus, who is going to be the judge on that day, uses that kind of language. So again, following Jesus means learning to live in light of that great and final day Come, so today we have to ask ourselves: Okay, what does that actually look like when we're living in this world? Well, this morning we're going to look at the fact that a life like that looks like a life of integrity, as opposed to a life of hypocrisy. A life of integrity looks like mean you are living a life which the person you are out here that people see, the public persona, is the same person that you are in here. That means at all times, in all situations, with all people, and a life of integrity just makes sense if you truly believe. And you're living for that great and final day. Because when you're living and following after Jesus, you can live life out here like you do in here because you're not looking for the rewards of this earth. That if I'm following after Jesus, I'm after his vindication. I'm after his exaltation. I'm after his infinite and eternal reward that he is going to give me on the great and final day. And when I'm living for that. It means I won't think one thing in here and say something different out here. It means I won't feel one thing in here and then emote something totally differently out there. It means I won't desire to do one thing in my heart and then not do that thing or do something entirely different out here. Because I'm not looking to the things of this world, the things of this culture, to be my reward. But if you don't believe that the great and final day is coming, it makes sense to live a life of compromise, to be honest. If all that you're living for are the rewards of this earth, the applause of the crowds in this life, then you should fake who you are in here and out there in order to get it. But Jesus is saying a life of integrity as opposed to a life of hypocrisy is what the disciples of mine look like. So we pick up, and Jesus alludes to this point here in in Luke 12, starting in verse 1, where it says, in the meantime, and I hate to stop after three words again, but I'm going to, um, because this is hugely important because it sets the context for what Jesus is about to teach us in this passage. In the two verses just before this, at the end of chapter 11, the scribes and the Pharisees were looking for something that Jesus said so that they can put him to death. So the religious elites, the guys who had the power, the guys who had the influence, in that moment, right before this, they're looking, they're, they're planning, they're hoping that Jesus says something, and they catch it so that they can kill him. right, so the context of the conversation that we're about to have is one of persecution. And why is that important? Because there's nothing like persecution on this earth to show us what they were truly living for. Because it comes up at times when we say things like, man, I really want my whole extended family to know Jesus. But if I'm the one that has the conversations, what if that changes what they think about me? Or when we say, Wow, I really want to invite somebody to this round of Alpha. I have the perfect co-worker for it, but what if when I do that, that hurts my reputation at my company? Or when I say I really want to be generous with all the blessings that God has given me, but that could really affect my bottom line at the end of the year. Or for our students that we have in here. Man, I really want to follow after Jesus. I really want to obey Jesus in this moment. I don't want to wait till later, but... What if that causes me to become isolated? What if that causes me to start getting certain labels that harm my reputation and I'm not as popular as I once was? Because the cost of following after Jesus and whether we're willing to take it reveals what day we're living for. So again, Luke 12, verse 1, In the meantime, when the scribes and the Pharisees were looking for something to put Jesus to death for, when so many thousands of people had gathered around Jesus that they were literally, and hear that, trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples. Remember, this is one of those moments, disciples, large crowd. He's speaking to his disciples, but the crowd would have overheard. He says, beware of the leaven of the, who? The Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Okay, Jesus isn't dumb. In this moment, he knows that the scribes and the Pharisees are looking for something to kill them. And what does Jesus do? He looks at that group and he calls them hypocrites. Jesus makes it totally clear what day he's living for. Because if he was living for that moment right then, he'd be doing a little more to protect his physical body. He'd be not picking a fight with those who have power and influence and those who are looking to kill him. But Jesus in this moment makes it clear that he's living for a different day. He is living for the great and final day to come. And Jesus giving us a little lesson about hypocrisy using the imagery of leaven. Right, Leaven is a substance like yeast that is used to produce fermentation in a lump of dough, of bread. And here's the thing about it, though. Leaven is practically imperceptible until you start to cook the bread. So you're looking at the dough, if the yeast is in it or not, you may not notice if you actually put it in. But as soon as you put that in the oven, that dough is either going to rise or fall. It's in that moment of the actual action that you understand if you see the leaven or not. The other thing is, it's really hard to get out of a mix once you've already put it in it. So what's Jesus teaching us about hypocrisy through this? He's telling us that the hypocrisy in our life is virtually imperceptible until we start to act life out, until life begins to happen. So until it starts playing out in your life, you don't even know it's there, and usually you and I are the last people to see our own hypocrisy. But let's be honest, it's not you and I that are the hypocrites, it's everybody out there. No. Jesus gave us a great warning about hypocrisy because it's a part of the human nature. That hypocrisy runs through all of us and we are, if we're not on guard against it, we are going to fall victim to it. It's going to run our lives. And he continues by showing us why the Hypocrisy is a major problem. Remember, as I read this verse, we're thinking about two days. We're talking about living terms in life for these days or living life on terms for the great and final day that is to come. Because in verse 2, Jesus says this, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known on that great and final day. Therefore, and hear this, whatever you had said in in the dark room shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. That's terrifying. <laughs> right, and we're all sitting here right now like, let's keep moving. Let's get past this part. Because there has to be a cure for this. Like, what is the cure for hypocrisy? Well, first, I think it's confession. Right? It's acknowledging that I have hypocrisy in me, that I am a hypocrite to a certain degree, and that we bring that to Jesus and we confess it And we repent of it and we turn from it and we receive forgiveness because that is why Jesus died on a cross for us, that we don't have to hide from this God. But the other cure for hypocrisy is learning to live this day in light of the one to come. And Jesus is about to use an extreme example, the most extreme example he could possibly choose. And by doing that, by taking the most extreme, he's also including all of the lesser examples that you can fill in. So in verse four, Jesus says this, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you to fear him. So Jesus adds to our tagline today. Following Jesus means learning to live in light of the great and final day to come, even if it costs you your life. Right, an uncomfortable topic, to say the least. Are right, Jesus saying, hey, you don't need to fear the governments with tyrannical dictators that will put you to death because you believe in Jesus? You don't need to fear the terrorist organizations like Boko Haram, who are murdering Christians every single day in other countries. You don't have to fear the extremist who walks into a room unannounced, looking to do harm. And why is that? Because if you're living life for the day to come, this physical body is not as important. That what those people can't do if they take your physical body is take your eternal reward that you have been living for in this life. That the hope of Jesus is still present. So who is the one to be feared? It's God. Because God has the power to cast into hell. God has the power to grant great vindication, great exaltation. He has the power to give us that great and infinite eternal reward. So when we fear him, what does life look like? Well, it looks like a life that has that conversation with the family member about Jesus, no matter the consequences. When we fear God, it looks like a life that doesn't wait to invite a coworker to Alpha because they know that the great and final day is coming. It looks like a life that is generous, knowing that we can't take it all to the grave with us. It looks like a life in high school that desires to obey God in a way that I don't care about my reputation, I don't care about my popularity. All I care about is the verdict of God on my life. Or it looks like a life that has happened to millions of Christians over the past 2,000 plus years a life that if you're ever put into a position where you have to choose between denying Jesus or losing your life on this earth due to the hands of someone else, it looks like a life by you saying with your life that you are not living for life on this earth, but you're living for a life that is to come in eternity with Jesus. Because do not fear those who kill the body, Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. And Jesus continues in verse 6. Are not five sparrows? And sparrows are the least expensive birds that you could buy to be sacrificed at the temple um, for your sin. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Two pennies. Virtually nothing. And not one of them is forgotten before God. Think about that. That God looks at these sparrows. he tracks their life and you may be thinking that's great but those sparrows all die by God not forgetting those sparrows God does not spare their life they are sold for a purpose to be sacrificed at the altar of God but it's that God takes notice of even those birds who in most regards of life would be insignificant to everybody else, would be insignificant after that moment, but God cares. And it's beautiful because verse 7, he says, Why? Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more value than many sparrows. So God's saying he's not just keeping track of those sparrows' lives, but he's keeping track of our lives. He's noticing how we live this life. We cannot fear because he has kept track of all that we've done on this earth, every inconvenience for the gospel, every point of suffering for the gospel, every point of persecution that we make, every false report, every lie, every slander about you because you are a follower of Jesus. He keeps track of, he notices it, it's not going unseen. And he adds in verse 8, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, and he's talking about in this life, on this day, and I think I have to say this. Acknowledging God takes courage in the world we're currently living in. God's not asking for perfection in this, but he is asking for us to be brave. He is asking for us to not wilt in the face of persecution to not let a culture that calls good evil and evil good continue to remain and stay silent about it. Because he says, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men with courage, but the truth that he has given us, here's what happens. The son of man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. On that great and final day, if we spend our lives courageously acknowledging God in all aspects of life, in all areas of life, in all topics of life, based off what his word tells us, then at the end, we don't have to fear anything because Jesus is going to be there and he's going to acknowledge our life in front of everyone, including the angels. That's the goal. That's the hope. But again, the great and final day has two options. In verse nine, but the one who denies me before men in this life will be denied before the angels of God on that great and final day by Jesus himself. And verse 10 continues, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, that is Jesus, will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. All right, here's what that means. Here's how this works. None of us come to the Father except through Jesus. That the way to get to the Father is through Jesus Christ, his Son. And the Holy Spirit's job is to testify about Jesus' life through his word. So if we deny the testimony of the Holy Spirit about who Jesus is, about what Jesus has done, about what he will do in the days to come. We cannot know Jesus, therefore we cannot know the Father. But when we do believe what the Holy Spirit illuminates in our hearts, that we believe that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he did what he says he did, that he will do what he says he will do, then it's in that moment by faith you will know forgiveness. You will know salvation. You will know eternal life in both this life and in the life to come. And Jesus ends in verse 11 with one more point about persecution. He says, and when, and hear that. Jesus is not saying, hey, some of you will face persecution. Some of you won't. No, he's looking at the crowd and saying, when you are persecuted to a varying degrees, when that happens, because it will happen if you are truly following after Jesus, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, that's to say when you get persecuted by them, here's how Jesus, here's what Jesus tells you to do. He says, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And isn't that such a great comfort? That the power of the Spirit, I believe, will not only tell us what to say in that moment, but I think he's also gonna give us the power to say the truth that we need to say. And so today, Jesus has an invitation for all of us. Right? The invitation is to come and to follow after him, following after him with a life of denial and a life of sacrifice. Because again, following Jesus means learning to live in light of the great and final day to come, even if it costs you your life. And a kind of life looks like a life of integrity as opposed to a life of hypocrisy. And I think it's always a great day to key to communion, but I think this is a beautiful moment, right? Because I think today is a great day to do business with God about the hypocrisy that each of us has in our hearts. And when we take up these elements, when we take up the grape juice and the bread, signifying the, the body of Jesus that was broken on a cross. His blood was spilled on a cross so that you and I can come to him in moments like this and not be afraid at all. Like we're not coming to a God right now who's angry with us. The invitation is a Jesus who says, come after me, come and follow me, for I have the life that you are looking for. Because in this moment, we trust that we can bring our hypocrisy to Jesus because he's a good God who loves us. He sacrificed his life so that we can be cleansed, so that we can be transformed, so that we can be renewed in this life. So take your time. When we get up here after Ryan Fenton invites you down, you don't need to rush. Take a moment. Because remember, Hippocrates is the hardest for us to see in our own lives. So take it and bring it to Jesus and leave it there. Because that's what he's calling us to do. Okay, so three questions and we're done. Are you following Jesus? Or in a way that looks like the way Jesus described? In a way that's not casual about it, but in a way that's costly? And maybe today, and we have a lot of people that gather here in the weeks, and I think I'm going to say this a little more pointed because of the passage. Um, if you're following along, you don't have to have it all figured out. If you are not in an active personal relationship with Jesus this morning, please don't leave here without thinking about it, without talking to somebody about it, without praying with our prayer team. Because the great and final day is coming. I don't know if it's today, I don't know if it's tomorrow, but there's an urgency to this conversation. So if you do not know Jesus, if you are not following him, deal with that today. Because the invitation is for you. Two, where do you need to confess and repent of your hypocrisy? Right? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Right? maybe one's popping up pretty quickly. Right? Take that to the Lord. He wants to hear it. He wants to meet you right where you are. And three, are you living for this day? or for the great and final day to come, because living for that day is the one that matters. All right, I'm gonna pray for us. Our Father in God, we thank you. Lord, we just thank you that you're the God who loves us. We thank you that you're the God who meets with us. God, and I just pray that we would hear these mornings. I pray that you would fill us with the spirit now and whatever words came out of my mouth, would you only allow the ones to hit their ears that matter? Lord, but in this moment, would you give us the courage to deal boldly with our hypocrisy? To not hide, to not run from it, to not hide from you, to not run from you, but to come to you in brokenness, in repentance, because that is where you meet us. So I just pray for strength and courage in this world to live for that great and final day to come in a world with cultural values that are not that, in fact, pretty opposite of that, God. We just pray that you would strengthen us as a body to do that. God, would you fill us with your spirit now? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.